Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Cartazzo. Uh, he is the senior partner of the Macro Consulting Group and also the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Mark. Very nice to be on the show, Jordan. Let's just kind of get a basic uh, situation of what you do, what your background has been in creating uh, flat fee portfolios. Well, my primary practice, uh, we do asset management for millionaire and multi-million dollar clients and portfolios. Um, and uh, I come from a, a very modest background. I know the quality of advice that you know people with smaller portfolios get, and, and it usually is either not very good or it's very expensive. So we developed this flat fee portfolio program to do asset management for uh, people whose portfolios are under a million dollars. We do take accounts bigger than that, but it's really more designed for that. And uh, it's a flat fee structure, regardless of the account size, regardless of the investment methodology. It's one flat cost of $199 a month. And, um, you know, it was transparent. It reduced a lot of conflict. And it was something that we thought uh, its time had come and uh, a different way to access asset management. And once you have people's money in, what are the tools you use to invest it? Um, well, we have uh, an open architecture. So if someone wants us to build a portfolio of actively managed mutual fund managers, we do reviews of that, um, uh, of the underlying managers. If a manager changes, if they've changed their philosophy or the fundamental way they manage money, we hire and fire throughout uh, the year uh, based on metrics that we look at. Um, we have uh, a tactical strategy, which we've been getting a lot of uh, questions about and interest, which when the market starts to break down, uh, like we've seen recently, um, it can take a defensive position, and we would move up to 70% of the portfolio out of the market. Uh, we had started doing that last week, and uh, I think it looks like by the end of today we will be in a completely defensive position. So um, we, we have an open architecture in managing index-based solutions, actively managed and tactical. So um, it, it's not a single method methodology, which is common when someone's going to a, an investment manager, they have one choice, and it's their, their philosophy. As far as the tools you use, uh, you use exchange-traded funds, mutual funds, money managers. What are some of the places that people put their money using your allocations? We have, a, uh, all, um, we have an all-ETF-based solution, um, and we have a portfolio of institutionally uh, uh, priced mutual funds, so primarily mutual funds and ETFs. Uh, um, we're looking at broad-based diversification and, and low-cost uh, uh, as, as our primary execution. Why is it that they need uh, individual investors need somebody like you uh, to pick their ETFs and money managers and mutual funds? There's so much available information out there. There's Morningstar. There's lots of places they can look these things up. What, what value add do you bring to the situation? 
Well, I think first and foremost, people are very, you know, they're too emotionally invested in the investment decision-making process. You know, they have a stock that they love or, um, you know, they, they uh, take pride in a winner that they have or they don't want to sell off a loser until it gets back up to where they invested in it. And this is a very disciplined uh, approach. It has very strict buy disciplines and sell disciplines, and we're managing for an objective. And the short-term volatility uh, is is not something that um, is going to impact us emotionally because it, it's a much more institutionally based solution. Um, Dalbar did a study looking at the S&P over 20 years, and it averaged about 9% a year, yet the average equity mutual fund investor did less than 4%. So they got less than the market's performance because they tend to buy at the top when everything looks great. And when we get you know difficult times like we're seeing, they get out instead of buying more when, it, when it's... Uh, when we have these sell-offs and, and selling at the highs. So what is the discipline involved? Is it uh, automatic buying and selling at certain levels, or ex- explain that automatic discipline? Well, on our tactical strategy, it is uh, we have a short-term moving average and a long-term moving average. Uh, we have five different asset classes. When we break down below the long-term average pricing, we hit the brakes and we'll re- reduce our exposure um, to that asset class uh, by about 70%. We still keep some money in. We don't ever want to be completely in cash. We're not trying to, you know, market time where we're completely in or completely out, but we do reduce exposure and take a defensive position when there's a a significant breakdown, wait for the dust to settle, and as we see a a recovery off of that, we'll go back into the market. So, um, you know, you start to get on a a windy, wet, wet road, uh, you want to tap the brakes. You know, cruise control is great when you're on a highway and there's no traffic, but you know, sometimes that's not the driving conditions, and you just want to be a little bit extra cautious. With the rest of our portfolios, um, it's broad-based diversification, and your allocation to the different asset classes to is what we're using to minimize volatility. But those strategies are more buy and hold, and um, focusing on cost and performance. Okay, so uh, for people who have access to information you're saying the reason they should go with somebody like you is because you take some of the emotion out of it and people make the wrong decision based on emotions is that the, the main reason that's one of them and, and looking at um, where someone owns what they own if they've got taxable money and non-taxable money looking at the tax efficiency of the investments you, know, you get a semi-annual review with a financial advisor at the firm so on a proactive basis every six months we're going to call and do a checkup we're looking at what's going on in your life what's going on in the markets you know, are there any fundamental changes? Instead of reacting to something that's going on, like you know, we've seen the past week, we've had a lot of volatility. When we're doing reviews with clients, we're preparing you know, that dialogue for how are you going to react, what are you going to do when the market has a correction, because you know, we're seeing uh, them more frequently and we're seeing the magnitude of them being greater. If you're not prepared for that, when you buy in and create the portfolio, th- these events are going to come as a surprise and they shouldn't. Uh, this kind of investment advice has usually only been available for the rich, is that right? And, and now you're making it available to more middle-class people? Is that your goal here? That That is. We've used uh, you know, our, uh, the scale that our firm has uh, um, to create a program. We have uh, you know, built these models based off of what we're doing for our multimillion-dollar clients. And it's not even that it hasn't been available. If it has been available, it's either... A conflicted um, 
strategy where the person picking the investments might also be managing the funds, and it tends to be at a significant premium. Um, if you look at the average price that a million-dollar portfolio pays for investment advice versus an account that's between two fifty and five hundred thousand, uh, it's about fifty percent higher cost structure for the middle market, and even worse for accounts under two fifty. So, what would that amount to? In dollars for somebody, say a million dollars, traditional system versus what you would offer them? Uh, on a million dollar account, if they're paying a 1% a year fee, that's $10,000 a year at $199 a month, we're less than a quarter of a percent. Um, and if you're looking at accounts that are, let's say, a $500,000 account, the uh, typical fee structure on that is at about 1.5% um, at $199 a month, we're less than a half of a percent for the investment advisory fee. So it's a third of the cost, even on an account as large as half a million dollars. So it's a pretty significant difference. You know, we're using technology, so you don't get to come in and sit down and have a cup of coffee uh, uh, when you're doing the review. We're using technology and computers, but you're talking with a live person. They're doing a live review, and if you don't mind um, having that be a, a, a remote experience instead of a face-to-face experience, the pricing is significantly different. So uh, where do they go? What uh, website do they go to to find out more about what you offer? Well, flatfeeportfolios.com uh, has uh, some videos, uh, t- talks about the strategies and the philosophies, talks a little bit about the firm. Um, yeah, I've been recognized by some of the top financial publications in the world uh, um, as a top advisor, including Barron's and Worth, uh, um, for what we've done for our high net worth clients. And I wanted to bring a, a solution of comparable quality to, to the middle market. So there's a lot of information on there. We're, we're in the process of updating and adding even more information but I think you get a very good sense of, of what, what you get and, and what the pricing is and who we are as a firm. When somebody goes on there, how can they determine what risk level they feel comfortable with? I mean, people say when the markets are going well, oh, I'm willing to take lots of risk, and then when the markets fall, they don't want any risk at all. You know, their, their view of risk changes with what's happening in the markets. So how do you determine in advance how much risk they actually should be taking? Well, we do have a risk profile, and it asks both quantitative and qualitative questions. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, whether somebody has high risk or, or low risk, uh, uh, sometimes it's like asking someone if the food is spicy. You know, what your interpretation of spicy is and mine can be worlds apart. So we try to quantify the intangibles. You know, if we ask questions like if the market did X, what would you do? Um, what's the time horizon for the portfolio? And we, we give them an expected range and show them what historically the volatility on the equity markets has been so they can get a sense of, you know, what to expect in a bad window period of time and, and a good one period of time to, to set realistic expectations. And before you go into a model, you would have a discussion with one of the financial advisors here to walk through what you're getting into and, and, and try to set realistic expectations. But do you find that people change their perception of risk based on what's happening in the market? They, they say they're, risk, they're willing to take risk beforehand, then when it actually happens, they freak out. Absolutely, and I think that that's uh, you know um, that that's the, the the time where we really earn our keep is is probably the difficult uh, environments. Uh, it's interesting because uh, I've been doing this since the end of the '80s, and uh, probably the most difficult year uh, I, I've had with clients was 1999, 
and I know a lot of advisors would say 08, but in 1999, people were taking ridiculous amounts of risk and, and, and far beyond what their risk appetite was. They were borrowing money and, and buying on leverage. Um, those are things that if you're wrong on, you can't recover from. People dialing back risk and being a little bit more conservative and missing some opportunity, um, that's something that, that's easy to, to, to make up with additional, spend, additional saving or reducing spending. But severe hits to principal and capital are, are very, very difficult to, to recover from, especially later in your investment life. So that was a time when people were willing to take more risk than they would normally be comfortable with. What happens in a, a down market? Uh, do people have the opposite? They take too little risk? Absolutely, especially in this low interest rate environment. Um, you know, if you have a, 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 we do a lot of work with people who are about to retire, and if you look at a 65-year-old couple, um, they have a, a 50% chance one of them lives to 92. So that's almost a 30-year window of, of income that they need to draw from their portfolio. And if you're earning less than a quarter of a percent in a money market and uh, you know, just read an article where two of the large financial institutions are now going to start charging for cash deposits because their, their yield on their, their cash is zero, um, and you're drawing a, a 4 or 5 or 6% a year withdrawal from the portfolio, uh, it's pretty easy to tell you what day you're going to run out of money. And um, it's not a good investment strategy when you're hoping to die before that date. A lot of people end up outliving their money, right? Yes, and you know, it, it, when my youngest was born, my daughter, um, she had seven out of eight great grandparents alive. All of her grandparents and seven out of eight great grandparents. So when I see these actuarial charts of people living into, you know, ninety two, ninety five, ninety eight, um, it's not a chart. It's a family reunion at at, at our house. So um, you know, this is real to me, and, and I don't think many 60-year-olds and late 50-year-olds envision themselves making it to 90, 92, 95, 97, and um, if they're not, you know, if we plan for you making it there and, and you don't, that's a lot better than us not planning for you making it there and you do. Indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Cartazzo. Uh, he is the uh, founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. His website is flatfeeportfolios.com. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. 
If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Cartazzo. He is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios and a money manager helping people invest their money. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you, Jordan. I'd like to get a sense of how you pick uh, both mutual funds, uh, ETFs, and you also do private money managers as well. What criteria do you use from all the many, many choices out there, which ones you're going to use in your client portfolios? Well, we have... um Two basic uh, delineations. One is a passive uh, investment strategy where it's more along the lines of indexing. And when we're focusing on those managers, uh, we look at risk-reward metrics for the asset classes, and we look at pricing because if you're buying an index, um, you're, you're, you want to make sure that that manager is tracking the index closely and you want to minimize cost to track that index. So, you know, that's pretty straightforward. Um, one of the things, if you look at our uh, um, ETF-based portfolio, we are a bit overweight uh, in mid-cap stocks versus large-cap or small-cap U.S. stocks. Uh, and the data on that's very, very compelling. If you go back the past 20 years, um, with about the same amount of volatility, maybe slightly higher, uh, but only a, a little bit of increased volatility versus large cap stocks. Mid caps have done about three percentage points a year better than than large caps. So uh, when we're looking at uh, index-based solutions, we want to make sure that we're, we're overweighting the indexes that have historically provided the best risk-reward ratio. Um, and just as Quick example, in 08, mid-caps went down less than large caps, but in 07 and 09, before and after the crisis, they actually had performed better. So in the up markets, they did better, and they didn't get hurt as bad. When the tech crisis blew up in 2001 and 02, large caps dropped about half, and mid-caps had very little hit. So it's been a much stronger risk-reward ratio. Uh, When we look at active managers, we are screening for their performance relative to their peer groups, and we're looking at risk-reward metrics, um, what their upside capture is, what their downside capture is, and consistency of investment management style. Um, So we we know what we expect from that manager, and we can build around that. Uh, An eclectic manager that can go anywhere and do anything, it's very difficult to um, come up with other managers to complement that style. 
in the index fund area, are you using exchange traded fund indexes or index mutual funds or how are you actually, because there's many different indexes you can choose from. Um, our, we have an ETF, uh, a pure ETF based solution. Um, and uh, we are focusing on no transaction fee based funds that have low expenses. And, and we are overweight mid caps in our ETF based strategy. Um, we have in a 60, your typical 60, 40 mix, uh, there's about 10,000 different stocks and bonds in that portfolio. The average expense ratio on it is between um, 0.25 and 0.3 of a percent, so very, very low cost. Uh, they tend to be very uh, tax efficient, so if you have the monies invested in a uh, taxable account, there tends to be a, little, a lot less turnover than an actively managed fund. So um, low cost, low, tax, you know, low, low taxable distributions. Um, and we do use institutionally based um, mutual funds. Uh, DFA is one of the groups that we work with um, that is typically only available to million-plus-dollar investors or to institutional advisors. Uh, and we can build a solution using um, managers like DFA. They're passive. Uh, they don't track a particular index per se, but they're not trying to be stock pickers. Uh, and there's a lot of um, quantitative analysis on value, valuations that, that weight where their, their money is focused. Uh, are you kind of a random walk believer in the long run that if you do mostly passive uh, indexing that you'll beat active managers, or it sounds like you have uh, feet in both camps? Um, we, we, we're agnostic. Um, I think that there's periods of time where in a bull market and you're fully invested in indexes, 100% invested 100% of the time. So, you know, you're driving a car that doesn't have a brake. Uh, when, uh, when you have a, a, a bullish environment, that's going to tend to outperform. So the 80s, the 90s, when indexes were very hot, we had very strong markets. And an active manager that had any of, of the portfolio in cash, waiting to find new opportunities, et cetera, it was a drag on the portfolio. Um, if you look at environments like you know, the late 60s to, to, to 1980, where we had a flat environment, um, active managers where, where, where they were stock pickers and, and could try to maneuver uh, had strong performance. So uh, you're going to have different environments where they both work well. Um, I think that focusing on cost and, and fo focusing on diversification, uh, a passive strategy has an advantage, um, especially in a taxable account. If you're in a non-taxable account, there are managers that have consistently added value. They're just the minority. So I don't make general statements about passive versus active. I think that there are, there are active managers who've done an exceptional job in different environments uh, that we have a high confidence level in. And, you know, we can build a, a portfolio of managers that have historically been the exception. Uh, so on the active side, um, are you looking for long term or what, what kind of a track record are you looking for in active managers? Uh, um, we're, we're looking for you know, over a five-year track record uh, in the portfolio manager as a fund with, with one or two exceptions. There are some um, strategies that are newer strategies, more absolute return-driven strategies, and the manager may have been 
investing in that style for a, for an institution, and they have a track record as a manager in that style. They just haven't had it in, the, in a mutual fund format. So we do have mutual funds that are, are younger than five years, but the management team and the management style is one that, that has a uh, documented track record that we can be comfortable with. The, the difficulty that we're having right now is in the 80s and the 90s when bond yields were – Five, six, seven—you know, as high as eight percent. Um, that was a, a a very powerful engine in the portfolio. With rates as low as they are right now, with the ten-year Treasury below two and a half percent, we're not getting that performance from the fixed income part of your portfolio to be a buffer when equities are are having volatility. So we're looking at some absolute return-driven strategies and things that um, can provide positive rates of return even in a negative equity market that don't correlate with stocks as well. So some of those are newer uh, developments. They weren't popular or they weren't needed when stocks and bonds were having this raging bull market. We've seen more of them more entrance in that space. And so, you know, those are things where we're looking at the management team, and even though the fund might not have been around as long, we're still comfortable with what they're doing for a small percentage of the portfolio. I think it might be helpful to explain what an absolute return fund is and uh, why do you like those as part of your mix? Um, An absolute return fund can be uh, a a manager that can go long or short stocks, or it could be something like managed futures where they, they can go long or short commodities. So, um, one of the indexes that tracks managed futures looks at the seven-month moving average of a number of different commodities. And if they break up above their seven-month average price, they buy them, and they'll hold them until they break down below their seven-month average price. So if we get a nice run-up uh, in, 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 in pricing for an extended period of time, they got in, you're catching that big, fat part of the run. When they start to break down, like we saw in 08 or like we're seeing now, they can actually go short, and if we get this cascading collapse that follows through, you're making money on, on the downside. So these, make, these tend to do well when there's big moves up and big moves down. Um, interestingly, that's a strong complement to stocks because a big move in commodity prices up is inflationary. It costs companies more for materials and transportation and sometimes labor, and so that can be a drag on, on stock prices, but it does well when those commodity prices are having a big run and when they're collapsing, like we, we see in a financial crisis, once they have that initial leg down and they go short, that, that collapsing financial environment's bad for stocks. It's good for a managed future type portfolio if we see a big drop off. So um, we're looking for things to diversify volatility because the correlation between stocks has gone up and we're looking for things that, that will help buffer that volatility. And um, it's been a great help to the portfolios in this recent volatility. So how much of a portfolio would you have in one of these absolute uh, return funds? Um, it's a smaller percentage now. Uh, you know, we, we're looking at it as, a, as basically a, a, a replacement for some of the fixed income piece of the, of the portfolio. We're trying to get uh, our singles and doubles from that. It's not going to be a home run type position in the portfolio. I just am not getting the yields that we've gotten in the past and having 40 or 50 percent of someone's portfolio in bonds yielding two or three percent is not very uh, appealing to us. It's not a good risk reward ratio. A lot of people are very scared right now uh, and they've been putting money into uh, so-called safe investments like treasuries, like CDs, money market funds, earning little or nothing because they're just 
so uncertain about the current environment. What would you advise for somebody like that who is scared but wants to have their money grow as well? Well, there's, there's basically three things you can do with risk. You can avoid risk, you can manage risk, you can transfer risk. And in, in avoiding risk, if you're going to sit in a money market, some of the largest money markets in the country, mutual fund money markets, are paying 0.05 of a percent. They're paying less than a tenth of a percent, and there's still some risk to your principal because you know, if they bought a bond that went under, your, your, your share price can go below a dollar. I'm not expecting big volatility, but there's some risk, and they're paying very little. If you shop around and, and get a high-yielding FDIC-insured money market, one that we do a lot of work with, the yield on it's slightly over 1%, and your principal is backed by the FDIC. So if you're going to avoid risk, make sure that you're shopping. It's one of the few things you can control. So this is something that has less risk and, and 10 times the yield. That's a beautiful risk-reward trade-off. Um, and it, it is managing your allocation across the different risk methodologies. And there's even ways to transfer risk, you know, using insurance companies or using financial instruments that have some type of guarantees on them, like structured notes. So I, I don't think it's quitting because you're not going to get there earning a quarter of a percent a year or less if you have a long-term goal. Risk avoidance is great for the money you need in six months or a year or a year and a half, but your long-term money still needs to be working for you. And, and sitting on the sidelines is not going to get you there for your long-term money. Yeah, are you seeing people doing that, going to the sidelines and just they're so fearful that they're you know, not willing to take those kind of long-term risks? Uh, absolutely, and I think that that's a mistake. You know, it is... Uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a golfer, um, which I'm not, but uh, I, I hear stories about it, and my wife plays. Um, you know, it's the reason you have so many different clubs in your bag. And if you're on a par five, you can take out your putter and hit it 50 times to get it on the green. And I guarantee you won't lose a ball if you're only hitting it 10 feet in front of you. But that's not an efficient way to get there. And I think if you're getting your driver out, it's not the most accurate club. That's stocks, but you need some of that in, in the portfolio to get you for that, to that long-term goal, that, you know, that far distance that you need to get to. And you know, so sometimes a, a strategy where you have your short-term or intermediate-term money in one, one account or one pool and then have your longer-term money, if you can delineate that, whether it's physically or mentally, um, I think that helps people view these different pots of money and, and what their objectives are so, so they're not, they don't have everything commingled and they can't really see the different components of it. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Cortazzo. Uh, he is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. Uh, his website is flatfeeportfolios.com. We'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
I'm Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com. Monday, 11 Pacific, this program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. When you are trying to establish your financial plan, there are all sorts of variables that you'll need to take into consideration, from the ever-changing economy and markets to investment risk and your own financial needs. How do you manage all of it to find a plan that will work for you? Tune in to The Insightful Investor with Bob Pugh. We'll help you iron it all out to help you stick to a financial plan with the knowledge that you need. The Insightful Investor is broadcast live Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Cortazzo. Uh, he is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. He's a money manager and helps people invest their money. His website is flatfeeportfolios.com. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Great to still be on. Let's give you. Uh, let's get some specifics from you uh, of some specifically uh, some actively managed funds. Let's do ETFs and funds, but let's start with some of the funds uh, that you uh, like and what kind of performance they've had and, and why you picked those from all the different funds that are out there. Sure. Well, um, I'll give you a, a fixed income uh, manager that we've uh, had some some very good success with. It's the uh, Templeton Global Bond Fund. Um, it is a portfolio of uh, sovereign debt, so it's uh, bonds that are issued by um, the country, so it's backed by the full faith and credit of, uh, of the country that they're invested in. They've done a, a very good job of focusing on countries that haven't had default risk or, or, and, and problems. Uh, it's like they didn't have any green debt when uh, this crisis was going on, and uh, you know they, they're, they're, the countries that they focus on have strong financials. But uh, the bonds were issued in non-dollars, so as the dollar has been weakening against a basket of global currencies, um, they've been getting a little bit of an extra kicker because as our portfolios are priced in dollars, if the currencies are rising versus the dollar, we're getting this interest but we're also getting some appreciation to the value of the bonds. Um, through the end of uh, June, um, the valuation, the, the one-year number on this was more than 10%. The three-year number on this was more than 10%. The five-year and the 10-year number on a bond fund um, was, was more than 10% a year. So it's provided equity-like performance, uh, and it, it has done that with a much higher um, uh, capital structure uh, safety. And in 2008, when we had 
a big crisis, this is a portfolio that still produced a you know a little bit more than a six percent positive rate of return. So, um, do you think going forward something like that makes sense to have money uh, in non-U.S. dollar-denominated uh, bonds? That that's an area that's going to continue to do well. Absolutely, I think that uh, with the debt issues that we're having, the dollar, you know, we, we were having a short-term uh, flight to quality because of some of the crisis that's going on, but the long-term fundamentals uh, definitely favor. Um, a, a basket of foreign currencies over the U.S. and the interest rate that you're. If, if we don't get a, ch- a, a significant change in currency valuations, you're getting paid a higher interest rate on these bonds. And if the dollar weakens, that's just going to add to that. And if the dollar strengthens because our economy is doing well, you know, this is a, a, a diversifier component of the portfolio. We, we get a big turnaround in the economy, and stocks start doing great. Um, if if we lose a little bit in principle on the bonds because we're having such a robust economy. Um, that that would be that would be a great problem to be trying to work ourselves around. Okay, what would be another choice in the actively managed uh, fund portfolio? Um, we have a, um, a mid cap uh, portfolio, uh, and give me one second. It's uh, the uh, Perkins um, mid cap. Uh, just want to get the most recent up-to-date data on it. Um, but they're... Uh, it's called the Perkins Mid-Cap Fund? Or what is that? It, yes, it's a Perkins Mid-Cap Value. Um, the 10-year number on it is uh, about 8.64%. Uh, it's outperformed the S&P 500 by almost 6% a year for the past 10 years. Um, went down much less than what the S&P did, what did in 08. It was down about 27%, and the S&P was down 37%. Um, so it's been a very strong performer. Uh, has a little bit of a value bias, so they're not you know, uh, buying stocks at the top. They're, they're searching for bargains. And uh, we like mid-caps more than we do large-cap and, and small-cap stocks. So it's a good manager and a good, a- and a good asset class for us. And you were saying overall mid-caps perform better than small cap and large cap in the long run. Is that because they're not as well followed or something? Why would that be? Um, well, it, it's interesting. You have this self-weeding uh, process by being in mid-caps. When they start to fall off because their market cap is going down because the stock's not doing well, they fall out of the index and, and drop down into the small cap index. Um, you know, they, they tend to be big enough companies that they can weather a storm like 2008, um, but they're nimble enough to move uh, uh, when, when there's a change in the market. They tend to be companies that have a niche that they do one thing or two things very well. And they're not trying to be this massive conglomerate and be everything to everybody. So um, I think it's, a, it, it's this combination of they're big enough but not too big. Uh, they're small enough but not too small. So they have access to cheap capital in the capital markets because these are still good-sized companies. Um, but you know, they, they're not... Um, they, they don't get uh, overwhelmed, and, and uh, um, I think that they can adapt to change quite a bit better. Overall, what kind of returns do you think is realistic for investors to expect to earn average returns going forward for the next 10 years, considering interest rates have come down so much and what's happening in the stock market? What should be a realistic rate of return people should expect to earn? 
I, I think that historically the, the long-term expected rate of return uh, on, on the markets has been anywhere from 5 to 7% above inflation. And I think that that's a realistic expectation going forward. Uh, you know, when we've had higher inflation and we had higher returns, now if we have 5% inflation, we have a 10% rate of return, you know, that sounds great. We had double-digit rates of return, but inflation was pretty significant. Your cost of living, it was going up dramatically. Um, you know, if we had a 6% rate of return and no inflation, yeah, and, and I'm talking about real inflation, not what the government states uh, inflation is via the CPI, but real inflation, including food and energy. Um, I think a 6% rate of return in, in a low inflation or deflationary environment is, is just as good, if not better. So um, I'm looking at the client's purchasing power and what does that buy them, because a 10% a year rate of return on their equities is great, but if inflation is at 10 or 12 or 15%, um, it, it, it looks good on paper, but when you need to pay your bills at the end of the day or buy food, you're, you're going to end up uh, with a lower quality of life. So relative performance, you know, I think that we will still be in and around historic norms. Uh, it's just going to look different. How about for somebody who wants income? Uh, a lot of people who've got some capital but are very nervous about it, you know, have it in money market funds or CDs or something earning nothing. What, what would you offer somebody who wants some regular income and still some capital stability in, in today's environment? I, I think that uh, they're, they, they're going to need to um, have some, some volatility to their principal and look at a total return-driven solution because just taking the income and, and, or interest off of a portfolio, um, if you're looking on the short end of the market, anything under seven years, uh, yields on good quality is less than 2%. Uh, and uh, if you are going out in longer maturities, if we do start to see the dollar weaken and, and we have to start paying up because of our credit quality uh, deteriorating in the U.S., um, and rates rise, those long-term bonds are going to get really hurt. If, if you look at a long-term government bond fund, if we had a 1% rise in interest rates, your principal can get hit as much as 18%. And... You know, to get 2% a year or 2.5% a year higher interest for that much volatility to your principal, I don't think makes sense. So we would look at value-oriented, dividend-oriented positions, a diversified mix of bonds, global and U.S., uh, focus on higher quality and shorter-term maturities, and take a, a set dollar amount from the portfolio. It, it's going to look different or feel different because it's going to be part – capital appreciation, part interest, and it's going to vary year over year. But we, we don't have the luxury of just plugging in and getting a 6% CD and, and clipping the interest coupons and living happily ever after off of, off of that. The, the Fed has kept rates low to stimulate the economy, and sitting in a money market in a bank does not stimulate the economy. So I don't see rates changing dramatically anytime soon because it would be destructive to the objective of stimulating the economy. How about going down the quality curve and going into junk bonds or junk bond funds or ETFs as a way of getting higher income? Um, I think that it's a shell game, you know, uh, because it, it's still, at the end of the day, is all about total return. Uh, you know, if, if you're getting a 6 or 7% coupon on junk, but your principal is deteriorating by 8 or 9% a year, you would have been better off digging a hole in your backyard, putting the money in it, and taking 6% a year out from it, and you'd have more money than if you bought the junk pond uh, position and you have a lot of defaults. So we're, we're very total return focused you know, for our clients. And I, 
it, whether it's interest or dividends or capital appreciation, I don't care how we get the return. It, it, it is about net of all fees, which is a very important part of the process, net of all taxes. You know, what, what did you have at the beginning of the year? What did you have at the end of the year? You know, over a, a window of time, sometimes it's you know, three- or five-year window that we're looking at, what did you make net, net, net? And you know, buying a, a higher coupon in something where you have a lot of volatility, your principal of rates rise, um, that, that government bond example I just gave you, it's paying 4.5%. Rates go up 1%, and you lose 18% of your principal. You're going to spend the next four and a half years or four years just getting back to zero. And Do I you see that, that amongst clients? Do you see clients wanting to stretch for yields through lower quality when they feel they're getting nothing on short-term or money markets? Absolutely. And the thing that I think is, is ironic about that is the reason that they're doing is they're concerned about the economy. They're concerned about the economic situation, and they're going to go down in quality to companies or municipalities that are at greater risk if the economy continues to slump. So they're, they're, what they're, why they're saying they want to do this is inconsistent with what their views are. And so you know, I think that sacrificing a little bit of income now, and maybe it's tightening your belt or maybe it's having some things in that, are, that are more absolute return or capital appreciation oriented and having some growth component in the portfolio um, is, is a better way to help get you there. And you, know, you have to look at why you're doing what you do and does it make sense. And, and I think that people, you know, they decouple those. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Cartazzo. Uh, he is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. His website is flatfeeportfolios.com. And we'll be back after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business channel when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan welcome back to the money answer show this is jordan goodman your host my guest this hour is Mark Cortazzo. Uh, he is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios, a money management and investment management firm. Uh, welcome back to the show, Mark. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we want to talk a little bit more about fees. Uh, people don't always understand uh, what they're paying for in asset management fees. What are some of the tricks that money managers may, may play on people so that they really don't understand what they're paying? Um, it was well, surprising when we ask that question to someone that comes to us to the flat fee program. I, you know, what are you paying now? Uh, how often we get? I don't know. Um, but we we had uh, one person come in and they showed us a copy of their contract, and um, the advisor was billing 0.375 percent of the account value per quarter, which sounds great. It's less than half of a percent. It sounds cheap, but that's what they were billing on a quarterly basis. And if you multiply that times four, it was one and a half percent a year, um, you know, which is which is a hefty sum for an asset management fee of of mutual funds or ETFs. So, um, you know, quantifying that or, or doing it in a dollar amount, you know, asking the advisor or doing the math yourself, I think is important to see what you're paying because then you can really assess whether or not you're getting a good value or not. Tell me a little bit about the volatility of the markets today and what people should expect as far as volatility going forward. Well, the, the equity markets, this is a really interesting statistic. From 1958 to 2007, in 50 years of the existence of the S&P 500, there was only 35 days where the market went up or down more than 4% in a day. That's a big move in the market. From 2008 to two, through the end of 2010, in three years the S&P 500 had about 40 of those days. So we had more up or down 4% days in three years than we had in the prior 50 years. And you know, as we're talking on the phone, we've had two of those in the last three days. So we, we expect the short-term volatility to be dramatic because there's a lot of leverage and, and many of the decisions are being driven by government policy or significant events in the market. Um, so this flow in and out of the market, people think it's the end of the world. They are able to retreat very quickly. And then when they see that it's not actually the end of the world, they come back with, with vengeance and we see big spikes. And you can't miss those bounce backs um, you know, or it can have a big effect on your, your average annual return. So you're saying a big part of what people do wrong is they panic when things go down. When you have the big up days, they're not in to participate in those days. It, that's true. I, I think it, the irony is stocks are the only thing that people don't want to buy on sale. 
you know, they, they say, well, this thing's down and, and I'm going to wait until things get better. Well, when things get better, the market's going to already have that priced in and they're going to have moved up. What you're saying to me with that is I'm going to wait until it's more expensive to buy these, which, um, you know, obviously doesn't make sense financially, but emotionally, um, you know, the market's already pricing in all of these bad things that are in the media and, you know, if, if there's a pleasant surprise and it's not as bad as they think, you can see a very quick move and turnaround. And this is your long-term money. You own a piece of a company when you buy a stock. This isn't a casino or gambling. This is ownership in a company. And so they're going to have hiccups and volatility and things that disrupt business. But I'm a long-term buyer. I believe in capitalism. I think capitalism works. And you know, you're, going, you're rewarded handsomely over the long term for the short-term volatility that you endure. Uh, the the uh, emotions of this are very powerful, though, as you can see. Is, is it your, your point of view that you should be an active contrarian? And if the market's falling sharply, you should be buying into it. If it's rising sharply, you should be selling into it. Um, well, we, we have a, a, a buy and hold thinking that the markets are efficient uh, strategy and philosophy, and we have a tactical strategy that adjusts to volatility in the market. What we're finding more and more common is clients coming to us saying, I want, I want to have a little bit of both. I want something that has a break in a gas so I can, you know, feel that we, we've got some, some disciplined buy and disciplined sell components to getting in and getting out of the markets in general, and we're using indexes to, to, to get that exposure. But then I also want a portion that's buy and hold so you don't get whipsawed where sometimes you have a bad event, the market gets hit, and very quickly, within days or a couple of weeks, recovers all of that. If you take the initial hit, and you wait to see how things are going to go from there, and it bounces right back, you, you take the hit, you didn't get the bounce back up, and now you're buying higher, you've lost money in a market that is flat. How about alternative investments, uh, including precious metals and resources, ETFs and stocks, and other things that are not correlated to the S&P 500 or bonds? What, what role do those play in your portfolios? Um, we're constantly looking for diversifiers. Um, you know, one of the things we have difficulty with is doing valuations on long-only things like gold. You know, how, it, how do you know if it's a good value or not? You know, there's, there's, you know, it's a very supply-demand-driven um, uh, issue. And if we find a big supply of gold or demand drops off, you know, there's good alternatives like silver or platinum that people might get attracted to. Um, I, I, we think that commodities are cyclical in nature, and they go up and down based on supply and demand, but don't necessarily have any bias up over long periods of time. Stocks, although they're volatile, are cyclical in nature, or secular in nature and, and have an upward bias because the companies add value. So we like uh, long, short strategies, managed futures type strategies for commodities, things that run up and come back and run up and come back, and we like long positions for things like equities that, although they're volatile over time, you know, have risen. So if you have a typical growth portfolio, what percentage of it would be in alternatives and precious metals and some of the things we just spoke about? Um, it, it's a smaller percentage uh, of the portfolio. It's uh, less than 25% of the portfolio. Um, they're, they're still expensive uh, as a, as a, as an asset class, there's, you know, even some of the uh, index-based solutions on these are three-quarters of a percent or almost 1% fee versus, you know, six one-hundredths of a percent for a stock portfolio. Um, but 
we need the diversification um, and, and, and something in there that is going to buffer when we have volatility. So uh, we're as as this space becomes more competitive and you have more entrance and, and you get better pressure on pricing, um, I think we'll, we'll start to use these more, but um, we're selective with it now. What happens if the doomsayers, the chicken littles, <laughs> are right? And in fact, we are going down and, you know, the United States is going down, Europe's going down, this huge debt is going to kind of crush us, it's going to be defaults, all kinds of terrible things. If you were to believe that view, how would you uh, change your asset allocation? Well, you know, I have clients who think, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, dirty bombs and, and, you know, the dollar is going to be worthless and, and their asset allocation, you know, for somebody who's, who's got that, that, you know, end of the world, uh, I think your asset allocation would be, you know, clean water, shotguns and ammo and, and dried food. Um, you know, I, I believe that the United States is the greatest nation in the, in the world and, and, you know, we're going to have to endure some pain to get back on track, but I think we, we rise up to adversity well, and I think capitalism works. Um, so I, I, I'm not in that camp, um, you know, but uh, if you've got a million-dollar portfolio and you want to take a couple thousand dollars and, you know, buy a, a, some rations, um, you know, that makes you sleep better at night, wonderful. Uh, but we're, 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 not, we're not of that belief. And, and if, it, if it really does get that bad, I don't think it matters what asset classes you own because the financial system will, will devalue everything. I okay, mean, what, very good. What, what good is gold if you can't eat it? So. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, well, it's been fascinating. Uh, my guest this hour has been Mark Cortazzo. Uh, he is the founder of Flat Fee Portfolios. His website is flatfeeportfolios.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Mark. Jordan, it was a pleasure. hope to be on again. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.